Father, thank you so much for the awesome opportunity you give us to come into your house and gather in your name and worship you, Lord. Lord, I ask that you view us as we um, enter this time, Lord, open our hearts to you, open our eyes to you, open our ears to what you have for us, Lord. And Lord, let us take it out of this place and just change this community for you. Father, we love you so much and thank you for loving us first. It's in your name we pray. Amen. How's everybody doing this morning? A little better than last Sunday. How's everybody doing this morning? I'm glad to hear you. Uh, just a couple of quick announcements. Um, one, January 31st. You can tell me what that is. High Attendance Sunday. Are we excited about High Attendance Sunday? Are we? Okay, the left side of the church is still just not excited. Let's get a little more excited. Are we excited about High Attendance Sunday? Okay, we love Jesus, and that's a happy thing. So, High Attendance Sunday, January 31st. Start inviting people now. We want you to invite people. Okay? Are we good with that? Yeah. Can we do that? Can we fill up the rock? Yeah. Can we fill up the rock? Can that be our goal? Yeah. To fill up the rock? Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. Uh, another announcement. Youth parents, if your child is going to camp, which you want to make your, your child go to camp, I need a deposit by January 20th. It's a $50 deposit. If that's going to be a problem, please see me. We'll work something out. But I want your child to go to camp. Even if they don't come on Wednesday nights, I want your child to come to camp. Okay? Awesome. Let's, let's just keep this energy going. Let's just have a great time of worship this morning. Got myself a cheerleader. <laughs>
good. It's great that we serve a great God. And I know we sing that song often probably, but the truth that's in it um, never changes. Um, over in Psalm 139, number 7 through 10, it says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. So it's great to serve a God that never leaves us, never forsakes us. Always loves us.
Lord, we love you. Uh, we thank you that no matter what comes against us, no matter what comes our way, uh, we know without a doubt that we serve a God who is for us. Uh, and if our God is for us, what can stand against us? And we know that the answer to that is nothing. And we praise you for that and we worship you for that. And today I pray that um, as we uh, continue to worship through song, as we continue to worship through um, the teaching of your word, as we continue to worship through the giving of our tithes and all uh, that we remember um, that our God is great. Our God loves us. Our God never leaves us. Our God never forsakes us. And out of that, uh, let us worship. Uh, right now as we give our tithes and offerings, let us worship uh, through giving. Uh, let us worship out of the abundance that you've blessed us with. Um, and let us as a church uh, be obedient. And with wisdom, use that uh, money to, to make your name great in our community. Um, I pray for Brother Matt as he brings your word today. I pray that you would just uh, give him clarity of mind, clarity of thought, give him a peace as he brings your word. Um, help him just to speak your word and let us as a body uh, have open minds and open ears and open hearts uh, to be changed by it um, and to worship through that. Uh, we just love you. Uh, we praise your holy name. Amen. Thank you. 
Turn with me this morning to the book of Jeremiah chapter 2. The children will be leaving for Children's Church. And I want you to turn with me to the Old Testament prophet of Jeremiah. Matt texted me yesterday morning and said, Where, what direction are you going? I'm praying over the music. And it's very obvious of that this morning. Uh, by the time I saw his text, responded, it was well, well after lunch. And I had to uh, send him a text back and said, I, I don't know yet. Sometimes messages, I may know a month in advance. Sometimes they they flow so easy and direct and sometimes the Lord wants me to really, really lean on Him. Wait on Him. And the biggest thing, focus on Him. Not on anything else going on in the world. So many things. We, we multitask. We try to cram every possible thing we can into our schedules. We will uh, literally a lot minutes rather than hours or even days to things. We try to uh, involve our children in every possible activity. And sometimes we schedule God right out of the picture. Sometimes we're so overwhelmed by the things of the world that we become distracted. That's what I want to preach on this morning from Jeremiah chapter 2. Distracted. So often in our lives, things cross our path when we should be focused on many other things. And we, uh, much like a kid's movie, that uh, animated movie, uh, the talking dog that was so amazing, but as he was going along and pontificating on situations of life, he would just all of a sudden say, squirrel. And he would look around, well, that's the way believers are. We become distracted by anything and everything. Satan doesn't just throw the most vulgar, vile sins in our way. It's just the tyranny of the urgent. It is the little things that are not sinful in themselves, but they're time wasters. They're things that draw our attention away from God. Jeremiah, when I was just starting off preaching, and I really got into the book of Jeremiah. And I began to read and I began to study and to really pour over the book of Jeremiah. And I, I can remember literally praying, God, I want to be a Jeremiah. And God said, no, you don't. Oh, yes, God, I, I'm telling you the truth. He said, no, you don't get it. He said, very few are Jeremiahs. And even Jeremiah didn't want to be Jeremiah. Jeremiah once said, I would quit. I would absolutely, utterly quit all of this nonsense. It's a complete waste of time if there were not a burning fire in my soul to the point that I can't quit. Some of you today are distracted. You'll hear some of the things today to the point of wanting to quit. You're wanting to quit church. You're wanting to quit your family. You're wanting to quit God. And all of us, listen to me, all of us somewhere in our lives want to run. We want to just run away from it all. We want to run away from anything that, and everything that may be causing us strife and 
struggles and stress. We just want to say, what's the use? Throw up our hands. Jeremiah was a man who preached all of his life, thus saith the Lord, and yet never once had a convert. They called him a traitor. They called him uh, one who had turned against his own people and against his own country. Though they were exiled and in misery, they still didn't get it. And Jeremiah continued to preach. And he continued to tell them the truth. Church, we're in a day where if there's ever been a time, God's people need to stand up and preach the unadulterated, inerrant, infallible Word of God is today. But we've become distracted by being seeker-sensitive and prosperity gospel. It amazes me. Listen, if I was going to play the lottery, I wouldn't wait till it was 900 million. The odds go even higher. I'd wait when it was lower. But I've already told you, I'll tell you today, at the end of the service, if you will just come see me and give me whatever money you are going to give, I may give you, and I want to be realistic now, I may give you $10,000. And the statistics are, I will give you $10,000 quicker than you'll win that lottery. We become distracted. What are you going to do with nine hundred million dollars? It's any different than hundred million. But I'll let the let the pot go up. And I, a friend of mine up in North Georgia, he's and for the last three days he's put on social media. He said they're like the Energizer Bunny. They just keep going. And it was a line wrapped around several convenience stores. And the, I mean, you couldn't even get in to get gas or anything else for that. They have become distracted by wealth and money and privilege and then we start wondering what would I do with all of it? Somebody I said what you ought to, uh, I read said oh if I win I'm going to give everybody money that likes my Facebook yeah really really somebody said what you ought to do is tithe well if we would tithe we wouldn't be worried about a lot we're distracted by the things of this world God's people Israel were distracted and Jeremiah said that. Now notice, go back to the first slide, if you will. <coughs> Look at all those posters there. You can hardly read the title, can you? Can you? It's kind of blurred in. And, and, and all the things that we've got to do, to do, to do. I've got to do this. And we're already thinking about, what am I going to do? Is he going to go long? I said so and so. I'll be there time and go look at this and I've got to go pick something up and we're already preparing for our busy week. Now go to the next slide. That's the exact same font, the exact same color, just without the distractions. A lot easier to read, isn't it? It's a lot easier to hear God, see God, and obey God when we clear the junk out of our eyesight. Jeremiah chapter 2. He said in verse 1, Moreover, the word of the Lord came. This was his first sermon. Came to me, Jeremiah said, and it said, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I will remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, when thou wentest after me in the wilderness in a land that was not sown. 
Israel was holiness unto the Lord. And the firstfruits of his increase, all that devour him shall offend. Evil shall come upon them, saith the Lord. Now that sounds like a pretty good opening statement, doesn't it? I love my people. My people love me. And I'm going to bless them and make them and protect them. But verse 4 comes. Many of us are living from verse 4. Um, Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord. What iniquity. What iniquity have your fathers found in me that they are going far from me and have walked after vanity and are become vain? Neither said they, Where is the Lord that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, that led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and of pits, through a land of drought and of shadow of death, through a land that no man passed through and where no man well. Notice with me this morning. In our distraction, we become distracted from past triumphs. Distracted from past triumphs. He said, what iniquity have you found in me? Your fathers have found in me that you've walked away after vanity and become vain. He said in verse 6, where is the Lord? You said that brought us up out of the land of Egypt and led us through the wilderness and all the things that went along with it. The problem is when we become distracted from past triumphs, the real culprit is we are too short-sighted. We have forgotten where God has brought us from. Now, if you're born again by the blood of Jesus Christ here today, say amen. amen. Well, then God has saved you from everlasting damnation. Amen. Yet, how many times during a day or how many days during the week do you even think about that? When's the last time you thought about how God brought you out of an unpopular, unfixable situation only to blow your mind and deliver you from it all? And yet we're so, so short-sighted that all we see is what's right in front of us today. God was trying to tell them, what's happened that your fathers have forgotten what I've done for them? Let's just rehearse it for just a minute. Where were they? In Egypt. God brought a man who was wanted in Egypt. Under the penalty of death, he brought him from the backside of the desert and sent him to the one who would have him executed. God called Moses. And God sent Moses ten times before the throne of Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And every time he refused, and God said, well, I'll show you. Because you either let them go free or I'll take them. Just as Paul did when he was Saul, they were kicking against the pricks. Pharaoh was beating his head against the wall. And each time his heart got harder and harder and harder. And God said, I will do something that will touch you at the very core of your being. And the Passover was instituted. And Israel left. Millions left. Egypt. 
And through the sorrow and the brokenness it passed, and we've heard the stages of grief, Pharaoh hit the stage of anger. And in his stage of anger, he said, we're going to go after them. I will not tolerate that. Listen, if you feel like you're being chased by the hounds of hell today, it is not a figment of your imagination. Satan hates the church of God. He hates believers. Read Job chapter 1, where he goes constantly before the throne of God, bringing railing accusations about you and me. Greater is he that is within us than he that is within the world. Greater is he that took his hands and spread forth the Red Sea, blew across that wet ground where it was dry, and carried his people through. And at that very moment, I have no doubt in my mind, as Pharaoh and his army was closing down, he said, we're there. We're there. They're coming out of the fourth turn. I'm going to pass them on the straightaway. We're going to overtake them. And as the last Israelite left the seabed, God removed his hands of protection. And the waters of the Red Sea fell. Is that not what your Bible says? Encompassed about all the armies of Pharaoh so that the loss of life was unfathomable as he wiped out that army. That was just the start, wasn't it? He provided water from the rock. He provided manna from glory. He provided quail in the air. He provided that their clothes did not rot. God provided for them. Forty years they never stopped at a convenience store. They never went to a Black Friday sale, Cyber Monday or Grave Thursday. God took care of His own. Church, God will take care of us. If we will stop being short-sighted, so I just can't afford to give right now. I can listen. You can't afford not to give of your life, give of your time, give of your talents, give of your time. Don't be short-sighted. God has brought us this far. Listen, is God bringing us here? What did they keep telling them? Moses? Why did God bring us out of Egypt to let us starve to death? Why would he do this? He didn't. You just can't see the future. Listen, stop trying to be God. Stop trying to figure out what's going to happen. People ask me all the time, what's going to happen with Iran, Iran? I have no idea. I have no idea. Hydrogen, plutonium. I, I don't know. They're dropping bombs, shooting missiles, navies in and out, armies amassing. Ray and I, we were sitting down there on the side of Court Stewart Highway the other day, and it was just a constant barrage of Army big, big transports, all kind of weaponry, everything like. We fixing to invade something? I mean, I thought we was fixing to invade Savannah, get rid of all that shit, you know. They might be able to fix it. I felt a little safer watching them all, all of them come by. I'll just be real, real honest. And one of them was a friend of mine, been in church here, a, a chaplain from up north, not a chaplain Mize, but chaplain Lowe. And we were texting back and forth. And, you know, there's so much going on in the world. 
And let us not forget you hung the stars in the sky. Don't be short-sighted from past triumphs. God has given us victory. Right? We'll sing victory. We sang victory in Jesus last Sunday. We sing it. You know, I heard an old, old story. How a Savior came from glory. Stop singing it like you're singing a children's rhyme and sing the theology of knowing God is real. Jesus re is real. Jesus really is the Son of God who made Himself more than the angels. Though thought it not wrong to be equal with God for He is God in the flesh. God incarnate, born of a virgin, lived without sin, died on the cross, resurrected from the grave. And me. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. My friends, let us not be short-sighted about the resurrection. But then he said in verse 7, we're distracted from constant blessing. You've been blessed this past week? He said, and I brought you into a plentiful country to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. But when you entered, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. You know what the truth is? You know why we're distracted? <clears throat> because of constant blessings. We're spoiled. I know it hurts your feelings. It hurts mine too. It's the truth. We're spoiled. We're worried about whether that thermostat set just right for us. <coughs> Forgetting there's believers around the world don't have it. They don't have a roof over here. <coughs> We're worried about whether it's 68 or 72. That puts it in perspective, doesn't it? We're worried about whether we don't go to what you want to eat for lunch versus what somebody else wants. And there's a lot of people that's going to be glad if they get a tortilla and some black beans. We worry about whether somebody cut us off in tra traffic or somebody in church didn't speak to us or the pastor didn't do something just right. And there are believers locked up under the penalty of death around the globe. Church, we're spoiled. If we can fight over what kind of music we sing and what we dress, how we dress and how long this is and whether we ought to go on Wednesday night or not, whether we ought to do this for the children or the youth, I'm telling you something. We all jacked up. We need to get our focus back on what matters. Stop being distracted by our own constant blessing. God has blessed us beyond measure. Let us focus on Him, the giver of blessing. When we get our eyes on things and not God, we're going to miss the point. Y'all know, I've said it, and I'll say it again. I love, I love sitting at my mama's table. I love her biscuits, and I love her lemon pie. But you know what? More than any of that, I love my mama. You know what? I can buy a lemon pie. I can't. I can buy a biscuit. They ain't going to be mama's. But I can still eat it and, and, and be all right. But the, the thing about it is, I love my mother. And sometimes we want to love God if He gives us what we want. 
If God blesses it, well, I've been tithing and I still don't see any return. Listen, this ain't mine. We're, this is not money. You're not putting in the CDs. The Bible never said He was going to bless you monetarily. What He said was that if you'll be faithful, He will bless you, period. That will tell you, you can't fathom eternal blessing. This is but just a moment in the realm of eternity. And oh, to stand before the one who gave you the blessings in the first place, gave you eternal life, and be able to say it was all because of you. Wasn't me. Never heard. I don't deserve a wife that gets up and brings glory to the Lord and singing. I don't deserve healthy. Godly teenagers. I don't listen. I sure don't deserve Eastside Baptist Church. I don't. I do not deserve being able to worship with such a loving, godly church family. I don't deserve it. I'm not blowing smoke here. I don't deserve it. And I ask myself all the time. I, I don't. I, you know, God, why? There's so many. I, I don't get it. Just as He told Jeremiah chapter one, He said, "Four years in your mother's womb, I knew you." I've called you. I've separated you. I don't understand why what y'all did to get me. I don't know what y'all need to repent. Maybe you get something better. I don't know how you made God that man. But I'm thankful for his son. I'm thankful to be born and raised in the United States of America. Because I could have been born in El Salvador. I could have been born in Ghana. I could have been born, you know, somewhere in Europe. But I was born in a country where we can still fly that flag. A lot of people hate it, but we can still fly it. And they can try to drown us out, but we can still speak the truth. Church, listen to me. Some of you may not know me. Some of you are visitors. And we are so glad that you're here. You are our guests. We love you. We pray if God is leading you to look for a place to worship, you have found it at Eastside. But I want to bring something to your attention. In all the hoopla of all the things going wrong in the world and how things can't happen and all they won't let things happen, we've taken God out of school. i got news for you. In Evans County, we just put him back. Amen. And the fact is because he never left. There is now the Evans County Christian Learning Center and we're teaching elective Bible classes to public school students over there in the fellowship hall. Amen. Our type of letters, you say, I don't see what they ever do for them. They bought two full big boxes of the Word of God to give those kids. Amen. They're doing it. Others are giving individually. Members of our church are serving on that board. Why? Because it matters. We need to tell the world the blessings we're receiving because God. God bless America. Amen. God bless America. We need to continue to focus on Him and not be distracted by the things that are just temporal blessings. We're also distracted by current affairs. Verse 8. He said, The priest said not, Where is the Lord? And they handled the law. They that handled the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me. 
And the prophets prophesied about Baal and walk after things that do not profit. We're distracted by current affairs. Things that are going on. We have so obliterated the need for truth in the public arena. When we decide on who we're going to vote on, whether they're going to pad our pockets, we feel like we're not. We move around and we do things that, and it's, it's human nature to go and do and be part of things that we feel like is going to benefit us. And don't act like you don't. We all do. That which benefits us the most. But oftentimes these current affairs causes such a distraction that we look and we say that's more important than God. God said in verse 8, the, the priests never stop to say, where are you, Lord? Those that are leading denominations, those that are leading in other ways are not saying, what would the Lord have us to do? They're saying, this is the plan. This is what I believe needs to happen. And we broadcast it all over TV. We even set up our own biblical networks and everything else. And there is nothing biblical about it. When we start talking about sowing in seed here, so I can have a $6 million house and fly on the Learjet to my $4 million vacation home, they something messed up with that. I believe God wants to bless His spokesman. But I don't see any reason why we need million dollar houses and fly on their jets. If I need to go somewhere, I can drive to Savannah and I can get on a Delta just like anybody else. Church, we need not be influenced by culture. We should be influencing the culture. You understand me? Now we all had our own, own deal. When we were in high school, we looked at kids today. I can't believe what they're doing. They're doing their hair this way, and they're doing this that way, and what they're wearing. You did it. Hypocrite. You did it. You know? I... It's kind of moved though. It's not jeans anymore because everything's so different. You know, uh, it used to be it's the name of jeans. You know, it was. You know, he'll figure out. I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna date myself. Uh, girls had the Jordans. You know what I'm saying? And the Gloria Vanderbilt, but a little small. Now us boys, if you was real, all you wore was good old Levi's. Straight leg Levi's. We wore flannel shirts, we wore masquerades and hats, I'm sorry. But that was still good. We didn't have trainers, so we thought we were farmers. <laughs> <laughs> we, thought, we thought we'd be cool with it. So we all wore masquerades and hats, flannel shirts, straight leg Levi's, and boots. That's what we wore every day. Or, what y'all know as Wallace. Or Chuck. I done went through all that. That's not what they're talking. I was here a long time before you was. I'm not going to tell you what we call something. <laughs> the truth is, listen to me. Say, you've become distracted. You're right. I have. <laughs> We're self-serving. Preach today. 
the world. You know what the Bible says? We're kings and priests. We'll rule and reign with him. I believe in the priesthood of the believer. We do not have to go through a man to get to God. The Bible says we can approach the throne of God boldly. Is that not what he said in Hebrews 4? Because Jesus was the great high priest. I don't have to go to some man and say, listen, can you talk to God on my behalf? A lot of people come to me all the time. And they're living lives of sin. They just pray for me. No, I'm going to pray for you. Pray for yourself. I'm not going to waste my time on you when you know you're not going to change. I can't fix you. Don't come tell me. All. I want to hear the nasty details of your life. Tell them to God those who want to make a difference. It's in our attitude of telling you. Stop bragging on the devil. Well, preacher, I'm just going to be honest with you. Don't be honest with me. I don't want to hear it. If you're going to miss, I just say nothing. And I sure don't want to know why. Listen, if you're a leader, I do want to know why. Because if you're a leader, you got to lead. If you're going to lead, uh, lead from behind, if you're going to be distracted by everything and anything else so that you're a vacant leader, then you just need to resign and let somebody else take that position. How long would y'all let me stay here if I called in about once or twice a month? Not long. We need to understand. Say, so, yeah, but you're the preacher, so... So, your, your leaders, we need to be found faithful. Listen, not self-serving. Why are you here? People come, and the first thing they say, they come to the church, they say, what can you give me? What can you do for me? What do you got for my children? What you, well, we got Jesus. Well, what style do you preach? The kind where I proclaim this, said the Lord. Now, I like to be a little condescending in that manner. I could tell them narrative and topical and exegetical. And I could tell them that, you know, uh, we're, we're intentional with our evangelism, that, we, you know, we believe in this and we do it this way. And we could talk about being premillennial. We could talk about being pre-trib. And we could talk about sub and sub-lapsarianism. But listen, what we need to be doing is not be so heavily minded that we're no earthly good. We need to be telling people, listen, if you come to Eastside, we can promise you one thing. God loves you, and we're going to do our best in Him to love you too. Ain't that what it says on our thing? Matthew 22, 37, boiling down the Ten Commandments, loving God, loving others. Let us not be self-serving pastors. It's more about us than it is about anyone else. I saw a thing this week, I'm going to be real honest with you. This is one of the reasons, man, I wasn't real sold on everything I was going to preach today. Because God had to do a little plowing in my life. I read a thing this week that says, Stop, pastor, trying to be clever and just preach the Word of God. You know, looking for new angels, looking for this. Looking, listen, I am who I am by the grace of God. Just preach Jesus. Paul could have waxed eloquent with those at Mars Hill. But what he did was, he said, you don't even know. You're worshiping an unknown God. I declare unto you, this is God. 
And he just gave his testimony. He said, I don't know how to tell people about Revelation. Listen, tell them about Jesus. That's what the Revelation is about. Don't get the cart before the horse. Tell them what Jesus did for you. You said amen a while ago when you said God saved you. Then tell them what he did. That's the way to be self-demeaning. Getting rid of the self. Crucified. So that we're not priests and pastors and prophets. We were distracted by current affairs. You let a pastor get on a big talk show. And I'm telling you what. Some of them, uh, they're just not right. They're just not right. Because they don't know. I don't know how you can't know this. They don't know or they can't because of flesh see the fact that as soon as they walk onto this talk show, their number one target, the talk show's host, their number one target is to tear everything that they say and believe down. And very few are prepared for that. That's why I love Deerfall. Deerfall wasn't, wasn't scared. When Larry King looked him in the eyes, he said, you mean to tell me that all the Jews that don't believe exactly like you do and all the Muslims and everybody else is going to hell if they're not born again like you? He said, that's exactly what I'm telling you. Joel Osteen got on the same thing, got asked the same question. He said, well, now, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have my wife tell you about that. I don't use the word sin. And I, I just, now I've got the transcript of this. To back me, I'm, not, I'm not blowing smoke here. He said, I, I just believe. Now I know this may hurt some of your feelings because you like to watch it. Why? Because he tickles your flesh. It makes you feel like you're going to get a million dollars. If you'll just grin, believe everything's all right. That if you serve God, you love God, send him a little check. God's going to make everything all right. He said, I believe they're sincere. They, they'll get there. If they're sincere in their religion, God understands. I got news for you what God understands. God understands. He loved us so much He gave His only begotten Son. And that His only begotten Son is the only way to grace. Amen. Amen. Church, if all that prosperity gospel really worked, and why did all those apostles die? Why? Y'all correct me if it's 50, I believe it's 60 year anniversary of this past week. And Jim Elliott and Nate Saint were killed by Ecuadorian Indians on the sandbar that they were trying to tell about Jesus. Tell me why they died. Serving God on a mission gave up everything to serve Him. Were they not tithing enough? Did they not give it up of their sales? They sacrificed everything, drug their wives and their children off to a jungle. Why do they have to die? I do know that one of them that killed me became a Christian because of all that. To the point that they called that man that killed their granddaddy. Granddaddy. That's the grace of God. Church, we be not, we need be not distracted by current affairs. Because listen, no matter what goes on in Washington, Jesus is still the king. No matter what's going on in the Kremlin, Jesus is still Lord. 
No matter what that little fat rascal with a really bad haircut, North Carolina, uh, North Carolina, North <laughs> Korea says, I might have made some little fellas like that in North Carolina. <laughs> no matter what he thinks or no matter what he says, God's in control. He's in control. And ISIS may not be the JV team, but I know one who's undefeated. His name is Jesus. Why not make us want to just jump up and run and shout the whole world? Jesus saves. Jesus saves. We're distracted by carnal lifestyles. Just carnal. People say, well, God understands. God knows. Yeah, God knows. And the wages of sin is dead. And our righteousness is filthy rags. And all the things that we think is okay, and we just, nobody knows. Listen, God knows. Stop worrying about what people think. Start worrying about the one who died for you. What he thinks. And if you really have to stop and think about it, it's probably wrong. That's what Jerry Clyde used to say. He said, if you've got to stop and think about it and ask somebody, you reckon this is wrong, God, it's wrong. It's wrong. Because the Spirit will constrain us and show us. Listen, people are distracted by carnal lifestyle. Everything else in the world, we justify it, rationalize it. We, we look at somebody else and say, I'm pretty good compared to them. Well, that's not God, how God's going to judge you. He's going to judge you compared to Jesus. And how do you look at that picture? Karma. Walking with one foot in the world and one foot in the church. We're trying to balance it out. Listen, you can't. Because you're going to fall off in the world every time. He said, I'm a jealous God. You say, well, I'm giving God almost everything. Listen, God, I want your almost everything. God demands your everything. All to Jesus, I surrender. You know what? What kind of faith does God ask us to live? In? What kind of faith must we have to live for Jesus? Think about this: the exact kind of faith it took for you to be born with. Complete utter. Are we walking in the same faith that we were born again with? Because it was that absolute. Surrender. As Murray said, if you don't have that book, Christians, you need to get absolute surrender by Andrew Murray. He said, I would like to read. You'll like to read after you read that Absolute surrender. It's one of the top ten all-time Christians need to read. Church, we need an absolute surrender from carnal things of this world. Convenience. Convenience is robbing the church. Robbing the church. We're on a busy schedule. We go by somebody in need. We say, you know, Lord, bless them. God just helped them in this situation. And God says, well, you want to bless them? Stop helping. Say, God, you understand my heart. You understand my constraints. And Lord, you understand that my convenience right now. I must continue. If I'm not mistaken, there's a story in the Gospels about some fellas that did that. And it was the one that had no business stopping that stopped. Captain Myers posted a picture yesterday. Two soldiers that's been in our church. 
his chaplain's assistant, Mulkey, and a specialist, Allred. Y'all remember both of them if you saw them. Sat on the front row of sanctuary over there. They were going to drill this weekend, going between places just like those down here. They were on 75 North when they saw a car broke down. They pulled over to just check on it. Turned out it was a, a grandmother who had a lot of health issues on a, on a cane and three grandchildren. And they were on a journey, had a flat tire, no way to fix it, missing the tools to fix it, no spare, I mean, just a complete mess. Not only did these soldiers stop to check on it, they went and bought a tire and tools and fixed it and sent, it on their, sent them on their way. What an example of our Christian duty. The difference is we're not sure if Monkey's a Christian or not. Brian and I have been praying for him. A lot of times you look in the world, the lost people are teaching the Christians how to give. How to serve even in the midst of an inconvenience. I pray this week, God, God may cause us to be inconvenient. That we may be found faithful. Conflict. Sometimes we just we live in the world, conflict, it just gets on us, so we run and hide. We we self-medicate with drugs and alcohol and pornography and work and money and play and sports and recreation and vacation and, and shopping and things. And we are so self-medicated. There's no way we can sense the moving of the Holy Spirit because we've tried to push any conflict away. We won't teach a Sunday school. We won't sing in the choir. We won't serve with the children of you because we're afraid somebody may hurt our feelings. That we may be asked to do something that will upset us. So we won't do it. Listen, people are distracted by a carnal lifestyle and conflict and just sheer comfort. We're sinful. We want to be comfortable. Why do we not come back on Sunday nights? Why do we not come and pray on Wednesday nights? Because we want to be comfortable. We're tired. Why? Because we put all the other distractions ahead of God. When did praying and seeking God become so unpopular? Church, we need to better get on our face before God. We better wake up. We better get in focus. What really matters. Listen, we're short-sighted from the past triumphs. We're spoiled in our blessings. We're self-serving in our current affairs. And, well, we're just plain sinful in our carnal lifestyles. Finally, in this distraction, how, how, did, how, how can it work? How can it change? He said in verse 31, O generation, see the word of the Lord. Verse 31. See the word of the Lord. If we're going to get our focus back on Him, we're going to have to focus on His word. Many have been coming. I'm going to tell you, it's been exciting because as I have challenged people to read through their Bible this year, many of them are doing so. And so on Wednesday nights, 
I have been inundated with questions out of the book of Genesis. I have been asked three separate times about the sons of God marrying the daughters of men. That's great. I don't mind being asked 10 or 12 times. Because people are growing. They're going deeper. They're studying the Word of God. They're reading the Word of God. I'm going to tell you something. Be ready to buckle up because God does great things when people read and obey His Word. Gonna happen. I'm telling you, it's gonna happen. That's why we have Sunday school. We study the Word of God. That's why we have vacation Bible school. So we can teach the Word of God. So we can read the Word of God. Focused on His Word. His Word should be a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. His words I will hide in my heart that I may not sin against Him. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We need to focus on His Word. Focus on His Word. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. So much in the Word of God. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. Casting all your cares upon Him, for He cares for you. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the chief cornerstone. He is root out of the dry ground. He is the star of day. He is the bright morning star. He is the rose of Sharon. He is the near kinsman of the He is Logos. The Word. May we focus on Him. May we face our wandering. He said back in verse 13, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they have hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. Listen, if we would put our focus on His water, we'd have never tried to build our own cisterns. But what we try to do is manufacture our own feeling. Where we can live on our own faith. He said two sins. You have forsaken that. Which you ought to be drinking. And you tried to build your own holding tape. That is broken. This we're broken. And being broken, we're Church, we can't fill ourselves up. You keep trying to cram in all the things that makes you happy. You're going to live a roller coaster life. And the older you get, the more downhill slide you're going to be on. But if you learn to trust Him and stop wandering, and I misspelled it, I know. I was distracted. Much like when we sing the angles. Yeah. Y'all sing that too? I say it every time. I just laugh. I sing it angles. So, listen, we ought to face our wandering both with the A and the other. If we would face the one with the A, we would come back to the one that matters most. Listen, we're broken and empty, but if we would also face the wonder, the wonder of it all, the wonder of wonders, Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen, It'll blow our mind. 
Share our hope. When we focus on His Word, face the wandering, and trust Him, we'll let His forgiveness reign in our life. Back in verse 9, Wherefore I will yet plead with you. You know why He put that word yet? Because He is long-suffering. That means He has continually pled with His children. He's pleading with you today. Some of you, God, has been urging to come to this altar for months, maybe even years. You'll get up and leave and think nothing about it because that's just what you do. But I've got news for you. It may be your road to Damascus today. This may be the day that God wants you to let His forgiveness reign. He always has. But He said right here, He said, I will yet plead with you. He is pleading with you today. Say it to the Lord, and with your children's children, will I plead. He's telling you, sick teenagers, pleading with you, don't turn to the world, turn to Him. Whatever's in your past, don't put it in your past till you put it under the blood. Because if it's just back there and not under the blood, then it's going to creep back. And it's going to bring you an awful reminder. And you're still going to have to deal with it. Not to say that that which is under the blood is not going to creep back in your mind. But what it does, you remind Satan that Jesus has set you free. He's separated your sin as far as the east is from the west because of the power of His blood. Not because of any power you have obtained. Church, 2016, may we not be distracted. I've been writing out calendars of things, things we're going to plan, things we're doing. Listen, in the next several months, we've got a lot coming up. A lot coming up. Missions focuses to vacation Bible school, to youth camps and weekend retreats, to men's wild game banquets and, and muffins with mother. We've got all kinds of things that will come up throughout the year. Memorial Day, Independence Day, Labor Day, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and trunk or treats, and all the other things that crowd our schedule. May we pray, number one, if they're on the schedule, God would have them be there. If they're a distraction, get rid of it. And God, may every step we take and every word we speak be thus saith the Lord, guided by your Holy Ghost. Listen, as they come to the instruments right now, I don't want you to be distracted by the interchange of message to invitation. I want the Holy Spirit to bring continuity to this worship and to our lives. Right now, seamlessly, I want God's power and His convicting, convincing Spirit to bring you to the place He's called you. A place of no distraction. Not by putting our stuff up, you put it up in a minute. Not by what's going to go on in the afternoon. Not by what you've got to do this week. But right now, focused on how great is our God. Focused on His forgiveness, His life-changing message. I love you with an everlasting love. Come back to Jesus. Come to Him. Trust Him to change your life. He'll get rid of all the distractions. You only trust in Stand and come. Stand and come. Without hesitation, come. I'll pray with you. <coughs>
When you turn back to him, he's there. God has never been distracted. So, oh, hold on, man, I'm on another line. <laughs> and then you wait, you wait, you wait. You know, and they never come back. God's not like that. He said, call upon me and I will answer. I will hear from there. I will forgive you of your sins and heal your land. But you got to call. you got to call. May God bless you today. Guess what a privilege it is for us to have you here worshiping with us. We hope you'll come back and be with us again tonight, Wednesday night, uh, next Sunday. Uh, we have something for you. If you didn't get something, we'd like for you to fill out a business card, please. We won't sell your information to junk mail or telemarketers. We promise we won't. Uh, but you can communicate with us. You have the bulletin with all of our information. Don't hesitate to do so. Anything